All right. How about hour number two on a Tuesday? A bit of a heavy Tuesday to start 2023 for us. The DeMar Hamlin story out of the NFL. And, of course, around these parts, the death of Coach Gus. Cliff Gustafson dead at the age of 91. We're going to get Joe Cook's thoughts on that coming up. Some other Longhorn stuff. Real quick, though, we hadn't mentioned this yet. One of the wild sidebars of this DeMar Hamlin story is the fact that when Buffalo Bills fans sense that there's some money that might need to be raised, they go crazy with it. They've done this before with even, in some cases, like other players. Remember a couple years ago where Andy Dalton's team helped the Bills get in the playoffs and they donated to Andy Dalton's charity? Well, last night when DeMar Hamlin ended up in the situation he was and he's you know in the hospital and he's fighting for his life, they people online quickly found out that DeMar Hamlin had a deal where he was trying to raise money for needy kids, a toy drive for needy kids so they could buy toys for kids. That was that was the basics. And his goal for years now has been $2500. Like for a couple of years this has been going on. He was never able to get that goal of $2500 on a GoFundMe. As of this morning, it was over $3.7 million. Yeah, got to love that. So apparently kids in Buffalo, Zay, are never going to want for toys again. Apparently there are going to be toys in Buffalo forever. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with this thing. At some point, do they... Are they going to cut this thing off? Are they going to, you know, rechannel donations? Uh, it, at some point, um, I wonder what they what they decide to do here. But uh, that that's amazing, man. When people get together and start giving like that, um, it's it's impressive to see. That Bills Mafia is no joke. Yo, they might have one of the best fan bases in all of sports. I mean, they're the only team there in that eastern part of New York, and it's a blue collar town. I mean, you. You know, talk about what the charity is for, and it's just kind of one of those tough, you know, it's just, it's not a typical NFL sports town. Right. It's just very unique in its own way. Those people, they're very unique, and they're very prideful, and yeah, there's some sunshine out of this situation, and that's it right there, raising over three mil. And hopefully what they can do is take some of that money, and hopefully it doesn't all have to be specific to toys. They can just help kids, right? Help kids and Buffalo in the Buffalo area. That's an amazing story. I'm sure that will continue. And certainly, we send our best to Demar Hamlin fighting for his life in a Cincinnati hospital today. No real update on that. There is word that the NFL is not going to make those two teams play this week. Just not going to make sense on the schedule. They'll have to figure out what else that means with playoffs and, and all that. But obviously, still focusing on Demar Hamlin and his fight for uh, for his life right now. Also, um, when we talk about about uh, life and death, unfortunately, around here. Uh, the story of Coach Gus came up in the last day or so. Coach Gus dies uh, yesterday morning with his family by his side. He was uh, 91 years old, obviously the legendary Texas baseball coach. We will uh, get more thoughts on that and a couple other Longhorn things right now. On the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, we bring in Joe Cook of Inside Texas on 3.com. Normally we visit with him on Mondays, but again, we didn't have a show on Monday. So, Joe, thanks again for moving around a little bit for us. How are you? 
Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Man, thanks for the time. Uh, I wish we didn't have to talk about the the heavy story here, but I thought of you and all the Texas baseball fans I know when I heard about Coach Gus. Obviously, uh, I am so sorry to to the Texas baseball family, to the Gustafson family. Uh, as I said earlier in, in leading up to this interview, you are on the younger side when it comes to fandom. Uh, you can go ahead and brag on yourself. Tell everybody how old you are in comparison to my 48. Where are you now? I'm uh, two decades behind you. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Did you hear the way he said that, Zay? Two decades behind me. Okay, so as a Texas baseball freak that is in their late 20s, give me your thoughts on Coach Gus. When you, know, when you think of him, obviously you weren't able to see that era of Texas baseball, but what do you think of when you think of Coach Gus and his importance on the program? You know, I, I think for a lot of, fans my age and you know even kind of in between your and my age they think of Augie Garrido when it comes to Texas baseball Augie Garrido was not the person who started the championship tradition of University of Texas baseball I think most uh I think a lot of Longhorn fans would argue that while coach Bibb and coach Falk or excuse me coach Dish and coach Falk started it once the game became a you know national scale sport uh it was cliff gustison who really began and strengthened and you know got the university of texas championship tradition rolling you know just he he retired as the winningest coach of course that record was eventually broken by a handful including argie garrido um he went to what was it 17 college world series um winning two uh you know putting a ton of players into the mlb first-team All-Americans. I think if you look at most of the retired numbers at UFCU Dishfault Field, uh, they are um, they're players who played for Coach Gus. There are a handful who are going to be from the Garrido era, and, I, of course, you're going to have Ivan Melendez up there one day as well. But uh, those players, those championships, and, uh, you know, the, the dish becoming the dish under him, and, um, you know, even you know winning at Clark Field, too, all, all the different things that, people associate with texas baseball uh, you you uh, the strongest argument is that it came with it started with coach gus um in the way that he operated the 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 program and um you know a lot of former players always come back i think you saw greg swindell and keith moreland and you know even guys i, I think i saw a picture from uh, adrian allen who I, I i'm almost certain played for garrido but he went to the camps uh, that that Gustafson would put on. So this is someone who um, was well respected all throughout the sport, not just for winning on the field, but for how he handled players and spoke with you know anybody off the field. And uh, of course, you know it's it's awesome that he has two championships to his name as well. Uh, just a, a great loss for Texas, and you know I I, I take it's it's great. It's always great to know that you know in these first few years of me covering baseball for for inside texas coach gus would come around and he'd still come into the clubhouse and uh talk with the coaching staff and others around the program he he was not someone that you know he he left on i guess murky terms is the best way to say right now but he did not let that totally jade how he viewed the program and how he you know interacted with those who were still around he still loved texas baseball and Texas baseball, it's it, it's a big loss for them. I, I only hope to live a life as full as he did and 
go out at, at an age like 91 because Coach Gus did a lot within those 91 years. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Coach Gus out of Kenny, Texas. I had to look that up. Very small town south of Brenham. But, yeah, you know he's a true Texan because, man, he came back to his alma mater and took less money when Daryl K. Rowe uh, called him up to offer him the job. But let me ask you this, Joe. I know you know your baseball. You're a huge historian. They won a championship in 75. They won in 83. What do Texas fans consider the better team out of Gus, uh, Coach Gus's tenure? Oh, man, I, I don't know how to really answer that one. I think you could even, you know, one of the often forgotten things in, in history is that the 1977 Longhorns, I think, had a 34-game winning streak. Um, <laughs> and because of the peculiar way, peculiar way that the NCAA tournament worked back then, they didn't even make the tournament. So they went. They won like fifty six games. I think they went like fifty six and ten, and didn't even make the tournament. And that may have been one of his better teams. Uh, of course, it didn't reach the national champ, or it didn't win the national championship. Um, didn't make the tournament. Um, I think you know if you, I guess you, you look back at that eighty three team, and of course it had Roger Clemens on it, and that's the you know the big notable name from that team. But that seventy five team to bring a title back to Texas, you know, when they won it in 49 and 50, I think that was the second and third ever college world series. And I think even one of them was in like Denver, Colorado, if I remember right, or in, in Colorado and not in Omaha. So that 75 one was extremely important because not only was it proof that Texas wasn't just a, a make it team. I I think at the time, um, at, at least under Gustafson, I think they had been to, you know, seven or eight, college world series but had not won the title it didn't it showed that they weren't just a make it team but they were a team that could win it all win it all in omaha and and win it all against some of the best teams in the country that were almost in their peak you know those were when the that was when i think usc was really rolling in the in the gold instead of the mud like they are these days that was quite an achievement 83 also is big because of the pitching um between rich roger clements i think calvin chiraldi and just another you know, another championship for, for Texas, the fourth to prove, and the second for Gustafson. You know, you have a good argument for either one. Again, Coach Gus, dead at the age of 91. We wanted to get Joe's, uh, some of Joe's thoughts on that. And of course, Longhorn Baseball coming up here in uh, in a month or so. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, it is good to hear those stories like Joe's telling about Coach Gus being around the team. I was talking to somebody earlier today that had spoken with him uh, earlier, you know, in, earlier in in 2022 and that he was still you know really with it and talking about stuff and um and and certainly loved to talk baseball so we wanted to get some of joe's thoughts on that joe also wanted to get a, a couple football thoughts from you and with the passing of coach gus it, it it's got me thinking about you know texas coaches and the level that you got to attain to be a texas coach and there's certain things obviously with the coach beard story there's a certain you know conduct unbecoming a texas head coach about that and and we'll wait for updates on it. Then there's this weird little Sarkeesian thing from the beginning of the Alamo Bowl. Does that become anything for you? I mean, clearly it's a it's a bad look moment. I'd call it kind of a conduct unbecoming. Why are you screaming in somebody's face? But ultimately, does that become anything? Do you think he has to make a statement on that? Or does that one just fade away now that we're into 23? I, I think it'll fade away. Um, you know, I, I think he nailed what it is. It's not a good look. Uh, just to, to get in a guy's face, but, uh, you know, that's all it is. I mean, 
I, I'm not trying to sound homerish here, but hey, you remember when Jimbo Fisher grabbed a kid's face mask? No, you don't probably because it kind of went away pretty quickly after everybody clutched their pearls for you know a few weeks. So <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't look it doesn't look great, but it's not like the worst thing ever, and I don't think there's anything more that's that's going to come of it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Joe, speaking on the game in itself, I mean, just losing by seven points, it seemed like that's what the story was for the Horns all year long. All five losses just seemed to come within one-score situations, but a bright spot was Quinn Ewers and the way that he played, especially in the second half. You don't uh, count the drops from Xavier Wordy and whatnot, but Quinn showed you something that gives you, you know, just some promise going into 2023. How'd you look at Quinn's performance? in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, I think it was a lot of the progress that everybody wanted to see, you know, from those last four games to then the bowl game. Um, he, he even admitted he thought he kind of had it all figured out after he tore up Oklahoma. And we all learned that Oklahoma didn't have the, the best of defenses uh, this year. So he thought he had it figured out. Then he goes, you know, and plays, I think it was Oklahoma State, uh, he wasn't asked to do much. He had like very you know few throws for a, a quarterback, and also compared to to what to what he did in Washington. So I think he showed the progress that he needed to, both mechanically and uh, understanding where to attack defenses. Made a lot of good throws. Um, you know, if you take off, I'm not a takeaway guy, but if you take <laughs> off that 49 yard hail mary, you know that's still 320 yards. That's still a pretty solid performance. Uh, you know, 30 of 46 outside of that. You can you can definitely win a lot of football games with that. So, um, and that's even you know not even giving him the potential you know one big play uh, that either one of those worthy drops would have been. So, a lot of progress. Um, it may have been a little bit of a sneak peek of what the offense could look like next year. Um, they didn't without Andre Carrick. They didn't run a lot of those two tight end sets with the fifth offensive lineman that Gunnar Helm did get involved, but he didn't bring the same, you know, offensive lineman blocking ability that Andre Carrick did, uh, as he saw when, you know, there was a play where he and Tavian Sanders got split for a, a sack. So but overall really, really pleased with, with what Quinn Ewers did. I think he showed the progress Texas fans wanted to see um in those bowl practices that were allotted to him. Um and, you know, kind of show that Steve Sarkeesian's not a guarantee a spot type of guy, but kind of show that, okay, I've, I've got my quarterback to build around and work with uh, next year, even with a few talented quarterbacks still going to be on campus. Talking with Joe Cook inside Texas. Joe, how about the Xavier Worthy side of that? Obviously, there, it, it's real easy to you know to pile on with the drops. He didn't want to drop those balls. He would love to have made all those catches. Moving forward, were you guys able to you know ascertain kind of how he was feeling after the game um, in terms of you know the the feeling moving forward. Is he going to be back at Texas? We would assume he would be back, changing numbers and all that kind of stuff. But do we get a sense for sort of his mindset after the game? That had to be tough to deal with. No, he he wasn't made uh, available, uh, and haven't heard too much through um, you know people we talked to over in the program. But um, you know it, it it's a it's a tough situation and I think you, you may have seen some of the players you know respond a little bit on social media and say hey we, we got you you're our guy they may not get it um Xavier kind of you know he, he marches to the beat of his own drum and I don't say that in a bad way he's just a hard-working player who has had some bad games and I think you know there's some spots uh that 
you know the coaches have put him in not 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 like in a, again not in a condescending way but they've been trying to utilize him maybe in an aspect that he's not tremendous at because we've seen him not track balls well and seen him not you know fight for footballs uh with a lot of success so um i, I don't know what where he's what where his headspace is at i think we saw him you know i do think it's a, a good sign to see him even though he's in dallas and watching a, a team from his home state he's with ryan watts he's with quinn ewers he's with teammates doing that and that i feel like that's a good sign of showing some remaining engagement with the program so uh you know we've got a long way to go before we figure out exactly uh what his plans are he could have shut it all down himself and said yes i will be here in 2023 uh when he was asked about it last week but he elected not to do that um so uh just kind of a, a stay tuned situation with him yep yeah, Joe, maybe he got blinded by Roshan Johnson's big-ass chain on the sideline before he went and caught that ball because, man, that was a distraction. I don't think they were a distraction, but that big-ass chain Rojo had on was a distraction. But let's go to the hardwood real quick because Coach Terry, he's 5-0 and since the Chris Beard situation. The Horns got another huge game tonight against uh, Kansas State. They just had another big win in Norman by 1.70-69 against Oklahoma. And one thing that I I've noticed recently in social media, Joe, seeing Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson both double down on their commitment to the University of Texas. That is huge with the Chris Beard situation. That shows what the culture that Rodney Terry and the rest of the coaching staff have built. But what did, what did you see these last few days going back to Norman, and what are you expecting to see with this basketball team tonight? Yeah, that win in Norman, uh, you know, it, it kind of was – Shows why the team that Chris Beard built is about uh, experience in, in winning and winning by you know however they can because it was Serge Barry Rice, it was Timmy Allen, it was Marcus Carr. I think they scored 35 of 39 Texas second half points or something like that. And of course, those are your main guys anyway, but just to have that much, that overwhelming a majority of it uh, shows how much experience is important and especially on the road in the Big 12. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to have guys who have big nights. Uh, Oklahoma had that. But, you know, Texas was able to, to fight back from, you know, some quick runs that the Sooners made and, uh, you know, hit the right amount of shots and did the right amount of things down the stretch to make sure that they, they escaped with the win. Um, you know, this will be a really interesting. There's some intriguing pieces on that Kansas State team. Um, you know, the headliner, I think it's uh, Keontae Johnson, uh, that Florida transfer who's been having a – Really good season so far. Um, who, and, you know, the Big 12's tough. Every team's, every team's a good team. And Jerome Tang, after all those years at Baylor, he's got what looks to be a pretty good program running there in, in uh, Manhattan. So I, I would not expect anything less than this for to, to be a, another close contest that could be coming down to the final few minutes. That is Joe Cook. Check out Inside Texas on 3.com at JosephCook89 on Twitter if you're getting those follows together. Joe, we appreciate it. Enjoy basketball tonight, and uh, we will talk to you next week. 
Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks, Joe. And sorry we did have to get into some of the heavy stuff with Joe Cook, but I wanted to get his thoughts on the death of Coach Gus. Thanks to Joe for his time. Up next, let's get you a flex segment. Zay's going to be calling a basketball game tonight. We'll tell you where you can see it, and he'll tell you uh, why you need to care about this high school matchup. Got some a uh, couple schools battling tonight. Also, a big question that you may want to be asking around your high school football team or your high school sports sports teams after what we saw last night. Stay with us. It's the Horn. I thought I had this right away, and now I got like three names in my head. Um, uh, I'm going to go with the first thing that was in my head and say Donna Summer. No. Is it Patty? Close. No. Go, you're, you're closer to Donna Summer, maybe? I was closer with Donna Summer. She's more legendary oh, than Donna oh, Summer. Oh, 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 what's Diana Ross. There it is. There it is. Okay. The All right. Queen of Motown. Oh, yes. Dude, the first time I ever saw Diana Ross, ever. Like, I had never, I, I knew the name. I'd never seen her. And I can't remember if it was an HBO concert or MTV was showing it. And she did this famous, it became famous, a concert at Central Park. And it started to rain. And I mean rain sideways. And somehow her hair... Stayed intact. She kept that smile on her face, and she just kept going. It was back in the '80s. Like they, had, I don't know if anybody really knew the, like the electric. There was lightning in the area. Right. It was storming all around her, and she just kept going. Y'all doing all right? I'm good if you are. <laughs> Let's keep going, man. It was awesome. You talk about commanding a situation. She made those people believe that there was nowhere else they needed to be. And there was probably a good chance they could have gotten struck by lightning and died, but she just kept going. Yeah, I don't know what was the tougher fallout. Diana Ross leaving the Supremes or Beyonce leaving Destiny's Childs? Mm. Because at least Kelly Rowland had a career. I don't know anybody's name on the Supremes other than Diana Ross. Yeah, pound for pound and song for song, I'd probably say it's Diana. Right? You would think Barry Gordy would try to, you know, make the most out of his money and say, okay, we know that she's clearly the star, but we're going to do something with you two. I mean, maybe y'all could be the eighth and ninth member of the Miracles of Smokey. I don't know. See, back in the day, they didn't think of multiple solo records or multiple projects. It was just like one project would come out of it and everything else got yeah, thrown away. Yeah, that's it. Everything else got chunked to the side. Diana Ross. Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Now that's a tour that we should have had at some point through the years. Um, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can still figure that one out. All right, uh, Chad and Zay with you on this Tuesday. Yes, there are two big heavy stories we've been dealing with today: the death of Coach Gus at the age of ninety-one. All of our best to the Gustafson family and the Texas baseball family. More on that coming up at two o five. One of my favorite Texas baseball fans, Dustin McComas, who now does great work for Five Tool. If you're a baseball nerd, go to Five Tool. 
Fanduel.org and find out everything they've got going on. But Dustin covered Texas for years for Orange Bloods. He's been a Texas baseball fan since birth. I want to get his thoughts on Coach Gus coming up at 2 o'clock. We'll do that. Obviously, we're also talking DeMar Hamlin fighting for his life in Cincinnati. The NFL has announced, it's an interesting distinction here, the game between the Bills and Bengals, it will not be resumed this week, they announced today. But they have not made a decision on resuming the game at a later date. So, Zay, I got to wonder now, are they going to hold that game in their pocket if they need it and make them play? Are they going to wait and see what happens with Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City this week and then determine, hey, do we need a result? Yeah. Could they possibly do that? I mean, you don't have much time. No, you don't. And if you're the Bills, it sounds like you're not going to get a buy no matter what type of thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. If the That's a great point. Would the Bills or Bengals, if they're in position for a buy, are you going to take that away from them? Yeah. Make, make them play, them the play game? that game. Oh, that's, that's wild. I don't know if you do that. Well, and then how do you do that? What if Kansas City doesn't end up with the one? Then Kansas City still plays? And then you make them play? Yeah, we'll have to see how that all how that all would ultimately play out. Because remember, the Bengals would have need the Bengals ultimately need the Chiefs to lose a game. The Bills though can win out and they take it right. So that's the part of it they're going to have to sort of. But must, winning out included beating the Bengals. It would have included exactly. So right, do, if if the if Buffalo and Kansas City both win this week, will they then say, okay, Buffalo, now you got to go back to Cincinnati? And y'all have to play that game. And then if you win, you get the one seed. Okay, but then do they get the buy? <laughs> yeah, you don't get the buy no more. Oh, that's so confusing. Yeah, like, What are you going to do, push back February 12th, the Super Bowl date? You can't, you can't do, that. do it. No, you can't do that. There's a lot that has to be figured out. I understand some people don't want to have those conversations now. There's a sensitivity I get it. I get it. But it's all, it is an all encompassing thing. Clearly, the first most important issue is DeMar Hamlin, um, you know, fighting for his life. I get that part. But there's all, there are other issues that the NFL is going to have to deal with and questions they'll have to answer. You might have to cancel the Pro Bowl. um, Oh, that's a week to play with. You might be right. That might might be the answer. You might have to cancel the Pro Bowl and say, you know what? Mm. Let's just, everybody that made the Pro Bowl, you get your little. Microsoft tablet that everybody gets and whatever toys yeah, and perks that mm-hmm. come with the Pro Bowl money, et cetera, and yeah, and play that week. Or you only send the players that are already out of the playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. the, the losers up to a certain point. The, yeah. the ones that have been chosen for the Pro Bowl and the ones that are already out, send them to, where are they going, Vegas? Is that yeah, what it I is? think so. Vegas? Send them if you want, but also that weekend you may have to have a game. Yeah. You may have to have a game or, or two. That's going to be wild to see what happens. Uh, so, again, it will not be resumed this week. At least the Bills and Bengals can now focus on their next opponents and obviously continue to focus on DeMar Hamlin and his health. All right, with that in mind, let's get into the flex segment. We've got a couple things for you, including a big basketball game tonight. Here we go. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by... 
Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. All right. We told you a couple weeks ago that there was a schedule already out there for January 3rd and some big basketball games. Zay's going to get to check one out, and you can watch it on television tonight. Zay, it's Round Rock and Stony Point. Now, Flex is telling me here this is at Stony Point. Is that correct? Correct. There we go. Tiger's Gym is where they're going to have that uh, tonight. And, Zay, people can check this out. This is uh, season two for you yeah, on TV? Yeah, season two. Me and Roger Wallace. All right. Yeah, Roger Wallace on the play-by-play. Your boy's on the color. Make a pretty attractive team, if you ask me. All right, so I just watched the Ric Flair documentary on Peacock, and he talked about sitting there in a $6,000 custom suit. Do you have anything <laughs> close to that for tonight? No. I have about five jackets that I rotate. Uh-huh. And that's about it. Okay. So thank goodness I don't have to wear a tie. Fair enough. All right, what do we need to know about Round Rock and Stony Point? Uh, it's going to be a pretty good game in 25-6A. Stony Point is one of the best teams not only in Central Texas, but in Texas as a whole. They've only lost one game this year. They're 16-1. and Coach Thompson, who I grew up playing against and from AAU to high school, we played in the Central Texas All-Star game together. This is his first year at Stony Point as the head coach. And I know how much Coach Thompson loves the game of basketball and loves to teach the game. So I I know I knew he was going to do a good job in his first year, just knowing the guy for a long time. So, yeah, they're led by Josiah Mosley, number two, who's around 6'7". Kind of reminds me a little bit of Zach Randolph. Not the mm. most athletic guy. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, not the most athletic guy, but solid passer, great footwork, underrated ball handler. He's getting looks from UTA, UT Arlington, UTSA, La Tech wants him, um, UNT and Denton. Sam Houston, the list goes on. Say so, his name again. Josiah Mosley. Josiah Mosley. Yeah, okay. last year as a sophomore, he was a newcomer of the year in 25-6A, and this year as a junior, he's only going to up his ranks. Iowa State was here to see him not too long ago. I was talking to Coach Thompson uh, a few days ago. So, yeah, he's getting mad looks, and Josiah Bunton, mm. I hope I got that name right. We'll see tonight. Roger Wallace will correct me, but he's a <laughs> sophomore, and, yeah, Coach Thompson says that he might be one of his best guards that he's seen and coached in the last 10 years. You know, he's getting looks at already from Sam Houston, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, so he'll definitely be playing D1 ball very soon. But Round Rock, they're a solid team also. They're without one of their best players, Jason Ward, who's out the whole season. He averaged 20 points a game, but... One thing that I love about basketball in this part of the time, you get your football players back, which gives you a certain type of toughness that every team needs. Uh And I know Coach Murphy, shout out to Coach Murphy, uh, Round Rock High School, the son of Mike Murphy, who's a legendary coach at Pflugerville High for a long time. Yeah, Coach Murphy, he's got some guys. We remember the name Leonard Moore, all flex. Watch this player. Leonard Moore plays basketball? Leonard Moore hoops, man. Oh, my God. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. We know all the more. Multiple looks that he's getting D1 in football, so he averages around eight points a game as a junior. And also quarterback Mason Cochran is the backup center for the Round Rock Dragons, who are 15-5. and They lost in overtime to a fourth rank in the state Westlake team. That's very good. So it should be a Danny one tonight on KBVO, 7 o'clock.
I don't. All I, all I would say to those Stony Point fives is if Mason Cochran tries to take you down on the block, you better be. You better have all your padding. You better have I, wraps ready to go. You better keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Yo, we we know how much he loves contact. He was Woo. running guys over all year this season in football. So it's going to be an interesting matchup to see him versus Josiah Mosley because those guys yeah. are going to be battling down low. And Mason Cochran, he's no punk. Even though this might not be his main sport, he, we. Know know how competitive he is and we know how much he missed that uh last game against Lake Travis in football so I'm sure he's putting all that competitive energy on the basketball court it should be a good game tonight yeah absolutely seven o'clock start I am watching I'm gonna check it out for you uh spectrum folks like me and Zay that's channel seven I believe if you want to check it out and obviously the Longhorns play at eight so got two basketball games to watch tonight also just want to bring it up here in the flex segment because it's so important Zay brought up earlier the Matt Nader situation it made a lot of people I think last night in Monday Night Football think of Matt Nader and the offensive lineman legendary offensive lineman from Westlake that collapsed at a game his parents were there one if not both of his parents I think were doctors both doctors and and they had a defibrillator on site so what I would tell people right now if you're in a booster club if you are associated with an athletic department Find out if you have an AED, Automated External Defibrillator. These are the portable paddles, if you will. That's how they started Hamlin's heart back up last night. That's how they saved Matt Nader. They do not know what would have happened if they didn't have one of those on the field there. And that got a lot of people talking, Zay. You said it got your mom to take you in to get checked for a heart condition. But what it also did is it got different programs around this area thinking, whoa, we need one of those. We need to make sure. So now you've got schools and school districts saying, do we have an AED? Do we have the defibrillator? And do we have an ambulance ready to go on site? So for you football fans, but also for basketball fans, for fans of any of your sports, check with your athletic director and see if you have the defibrillator. They are not cheap, as you can imagine. We're talking a couple thousand dollars probably, but it can literally save a life. Last night is a reminder. So on the local level, ask about those AEDs, especially at the lower classifications where we have all kinds of teams out there. Maybe you don't have as much money in the district, but start asking those questions and see if you can get that done because it's huge. Yeah, absolute necessity. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, I, with what we saw last night, going back to the Matt Nader thing, it's just this is what's best for every single sport, I think. Not just football. Every single sport needs to have a medical staff on hand just in case. And shout out to the Cincinnati medical team. Like, all eyes are on them right now in the whole world. Everybody's looking at Dude, they got hospital. It. They got it done last night. Yeah, they I mean. definitely got it done. And, you know, I'm the brother-in-law of two <laughs> doctors, so I know how much work they put in. I know what goes into it many long nights early mornings and yeah they they get paid that good money for a reason because it's a very important job then they might have saved a life and that's huge yeah let's hope they are able to save his life uh, as we continue to watch the story of damar hamlin but again on the local level check into that for your school district and uh, check with your athletic directors on that uh, if you don't already have it because you just never know one of the stories i heard brought up zay you don't remember this 
this because it was before your time, but Hank Gathers is that guy. Oh, as a basketball? You remember the name. As and a basketball that, junkie, I remember. I can remember watching on television the game. I can't remember where they were. So he had one. He collapsed once, then they found the heart condition, got him medicated, and he was doing fine, and then he collapses again and dies. And I remember why. I mean, the, it was scary stuff. Dude running down a basketball court. That's one 30 for 30 I'll never watch. And he just dropped. I'll never watch that 30 for 30. Oh, it was terrifying. And then you got Bo Kimball shooting the free throw left-handed and all the emotion that came out of that. That Loyola Marymount team is easily the most, other than maybe UNLV in 90, just one of the most fun basketball teams I've ever watched in my life. It was such a crushing story with Hank Gathers. So that's the kind of thing that that you know you're you're trying to uh, to avoid with these defibrillators. So uh, shout out to all that medical science that was on display last night, and all the positivity and positive thoughts and prayer that was on display as well. Because uh, at this point, Demar Hamlin is going to need every bit of both uh, to survive this thing, and let's hope he does. All right, there's your flex segment. We do it every day at one thirty. Again, Round Rock and Stony Point tonight at seven. That's the one Zay's calling. If you go to flxatx.com, you can see all kinds of basketball games throughout the area tonight. Just go on in there, find the gym that's closest to you, and go see some high school basketball tonight. If you like, everything is tipping at 7 o'clock. Up next, it's where we at in society. Zay will let us know where we're looking at today. And then coming up at 2, Dustin McComas talking more Texas baseball and the death of Coach Gus. This is The Horn. Rolling through your Tuesday. Hope you're having a good start to 2023. This sounds like another big time voice. Oh my mind. Uh, is this a, another big timer? No. Is it the rest of the Supremes? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Kelly, um, is it Kelly Rowland? And it's one of the like those ten R&B female groups in the 90s. There's about ten of them. This is one of them. This is one of the This art- is one of them. Okay. Um, See, somebody already said escape. That's not it. They were close, though. Okay. You're always going to be close. <laughs> All you got to do is cancel. 90s black female R&B group, and you're close. I'm going to say the one I always forget, and I just remembered it, so to help it's myself remember it. Love makes me weak. That was perfect. <laughs> Let me just say. In vogue. <laughs> that's that's You're a, close. Damn. You're close. All right, who is it? SWV. Oh, SWV. I know people in their car were saying, damn it, I thought it was Total. Damn it, I thought it was Destiny Childs. Damn it, I thought it was TLC. None of those. SWV. SWV. <laughs> Did it stand for something? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Because I could make a guess, but I'd be really insensitive if I was wrong. You gotta say it now. Sisters with voices? <laughs> I mean, that's just my guess. <laughs> Is that wrong? 
No. Is that no. wrong that I just said that out loud? No. Okay. I mean, I, you would think it would be like names like Sharonda, Juanita. Oh, could be. Veronica. I'm just guessing too. But. I don't know. Um, I think I've just, it, it's because I, I've, it's the pattern from NWA. Because the pattern for that ah. band, that was something with, you know, that was something with attitude. I thought maybe this was something with voices. Yeah, it would have been very awkward if Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were coming out to this. <laughs> it would have been very awkward if those boys were coming out to this. <laughs> that would have been weird. That would have been weird. Uh, yes. Oh, that's NWO. You're right. NWA. But see, no, that was New World Order for NWO. So. Oh, you're talking about. I'm talking about NWA. Oh, wow. Right, that was them. That, that was attitude. The, that was the pattern I was going off see, of. That the thinking, W was a with. See, I'm already going to your weird neck of the woods. I was like, this fool must be talking about wrestling. He's I'm already be. thinking of Nash and he's, Hall and Hogan. <laughs> he's got to be talking wrestling. Wasn't it weird when Virgil became a member? All right, all right, fair enough. Let's not get into that. All right, coming up at 205, Dustin McComas. More on the life and the career and the impact of Cliff Stop Gustafson it. coming up. Stop it. It ain't sisters with voices. About four people say you right. Really? They're giving me credit for this? Ain't no way. Oh, come on. Look, all right, do some research for me. Find, find out if that's true. <laughs> well, I'll find out if that's true while you're doing what you're doing here. Let's go where we at in society. We'll see what Zay's got. I'm going to look this up. Where are we at in society today? All right, Zay, what do I need to do That's here? That's absolutely incredible. All right, go to your Twitter, <laughs> man, because I saw some wild stuff this weekend. Real quick, Wikipedia page. SWV, Sisters with Voices, is an American R&B vocal trio from New York. Bam! Oh, my God. Cheryl man. Gamble, Tamara Johnson, and Leanne something or other. Wow. Also known as Sisters with Voices. I knew I wasn't crazy. It wow. ma- again, it made me kind of sound slightly insensitive being the white guy going, I bet it stands for sisters with what it does. That's I was right. impressive. I was right. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I'm That's I'm impressive. on my I'm on my Twitter now. Yo, you might get the cook out the cookout Woo! with saying stuff like that, man. Actually, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want that. You want me bringing the drinks, you handle the food, trust me. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Okay. So the Giants are in the playoffs now. And to get to the playoffs, they mm. rolled. Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. And my guy Nick Foles had a tough day. And the highlight of that game was Kayvon Thibodeau, first-round pick for the Giants this past year out of Oregon. He made a pretty good hit on our boy Nick. Yes, he did. He did. And this fool celebrated and did a snow angel right by Nick Foles Mm -hmm. as he was on the ground grimacing in pain due to the intense hit that Kayvon put on him, where he was literally touching Nick Foles as he switched back and forth on the snow angel. With no snow, it wasn't like there's snow on the field, so it really doesn't make any sense. If there was snow on the field, then I would kind of get yep. it, but this is straight-up petty Yeah, I ignorant. I agree with you, Zay, and there's multiple people here I would question Thibodeau needs to get ripped for, even if he did not, if he wants to argue that he didn't know because he was looking straight up. Oh, look okay. at the next thing I sent you. No, no, I know. I know. Okay. Right. Even if he argues that, when he goes to the sideline and then does the Steph Curry sleep sleepy thing. What is wrong with this dude? After knocking a quarterback silly, that's bad. But I would also ask his two teammates that are right there. There's one of his teammates that literally bends down and pops him on the chest as he's celebrating, 
That guy has clear vision of Nick Foles in pain. By the way, Nick Foles is also screaming in agony at that moment. So uh, even if Thibodeau didn't hear that, he's got two teammates with full vision of what Nick Foles is doing, and they immediately need to run over to him. Hey, dude, get up, get up, he's hurt, get up, he's hurt. That's it. That's all you have to do. And they didn't. They helped him celebrate. That's the part that was dur- – now I'm a Cowboys fan, so I can really pile on since this is the New York Giants doing it, but it was bad. That was a low-rent move, especially once you realize it and go to the sideline and do the night-night. Come on, Thibodeau. Yeah, that, that hurt, especially being my guy Nick Foles. I mean, come on, Westlake legend. It's, it's been a tough go for him as a starting quarterback for the Colts these last few oh, it weeks. Definitely has. And the go out the way he did now, Sam Ellinger got to come in, so it wasn't all that bad, and he threw a touchdown, which Sam should his, have been starting ever since uh, uh, yeah. Wright got fired, but that's, that's a his, different story. Isn't that his first official touchdown? Yeah, that's the first yeah. one. Yeah. Congrats so, to Sam for yeah, that. Yeah, shout out to Sam, but yeah, Kayvon, you're classless. Even Lawrence Taylor, who was in the building, he probably would have thought that was classless. You know, That's LT. That was bad. That was bad, because remember, L- one of LT's most famous moments was a moment of compassion for Joe, Joe Theismann. Yeah. Once he realized how serious that was, he was the one. In fact, last night had a little LT quality to it. When I saw those players reacting so quickly and violently about, get out here, let's go, go, go. That's what LT did. And yeah. even as a kid, I remember watching that on Monday Night Football, realizing, oh, God, what did Lawrence Taylor just see? Of all the things those guys see, that was what another thing last night it should remind all of us regular folk, all of us folk that have never been on an NFL field or an organized football field. For me, I've never played organized team football at this at any big-time level, right? So what could they have possibly seen to make them cry, hug each other, turn away, and then ultimately decide we can't play football tonight. That's the stuff we all have to respect, and that's what I thought of last night. I was like, oh, God, that's got like a Lawrence feel to it where you're like, they know they're seeing something beyond a boundary line. Yeah. It was so scary. Yeah, these toughest men in the world, balling, crying, and yeah, I should just show you how crazy it was. Real quick before the break, and I know we're late, but Ryan Clark said something last night that there's a couple things he said that got me real emotional, but one of them was he said he called uh, FaceTime one of his teammates last night and was talking about Hamlin, who is 24 years old, and he said, man, when I was 24, I didn't even know I could die. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I almost started crying when he said it. It was just like, wow, that is a heavy way to phrase that. But that is, yeah, it's, it's a kid that, you know, he, he maybe hadn't thought of facing what he's facing now. Why would he? You shouldn't wake up thinking about that. But now he's 24 years old, and he is he's hanging on, man. Yeah, he's trying the, to survive. You know the training that you do before in the offseason and during the season. You know how good of a shape you're in, especially at that age. You think you're invincible. So, right. yeah, I completely get what Ryan Clark said on that. And he was <sighs> terrific last night on the Four Letter Network. Yeah, he was amazing. He was. He was. I would never. It, it was as I'm watching it. I thought nobody should ever think of giving out like an Emmy off of something this horrific. But this is some of the best television I've ever watched in my life. I hate that it happened, but what he and Scott Van Pelt pulled off, and specifically what Ryan did last night, was just so. 
emotionally informative for all of us. Well, what, I loved it. Well, what hit me, he said that he had a certain issue where he was in the hospital and didn't think he would play again. Yeah. And he said him and Troy Polamalu, which Troy Polamalu, talk about toughness at the safety position in NFL history. He was sitting right next to the bedroom. They were balling for hours because he just didn't know well, what happened with Ryan Clark. So it, it hit home in a different way yep. for Ryan Clark than it did for – most other NFL players. That's a good point. We'll get back to that discussion at 2.30, why today matters, because there's more for that came from that Ryan Clark stuff last night that was just just incredible to see. Uh, also, in terms of those heavy issues we're dealing with today, of course, the death of Coach Gus around these parts. I wanted to get Dustin McComas' thoughts on that, reach out to some of our favorite uh, Texas baseball folks. You've also heard some of that on the horn today. We'll reset that for you. Uh, Dustin's thoughts on the passing of Coach Gus coming right up on the horn. 